This is the Blaze and Access podcast, disability news and perspective for Monday, December 4th. I'm Blaze Bryant. In January of 2021, John Farina, a longtime guide dog user, and myself talked about new service animal regulations while flying. Morning, Blaze. Thanks for having me, and uh, good, good Monday morning to you. I guess maybe it's significant we do this on uh, the uh, anniversary of Martin Luther King uh, holiday here, but uh, you're right. I've been using guide dogs, seeing eye dogs since 1974, which in some sense makes me an old guy, but uh, <laughs> I don't my feel intent. it. So Just to be okay. clear. Right. And how interesting is we normally don't really talk about when these conversations are being taped, but it is interesting, as you said, that we're taping this here on Martin Luther King Day and the kind of ironies of that as we're talking about regulations and equal rights and everything. John, when this first became an issue, when you started seeing on the news that people were trying to bring peacocks and other sorts of birds and claim them as emotional support animals. What was your first reaction? I, I can't remember my first reaction, but I may have laughed because um, at that time it seemed, it seemed pretty abs- absurd. The whole um, uh, right guide dog access movement, if you will, um, started in, you know, 1929 or thereabouts with Morris Frank, uh, who was the first person to use a, uh, a guide dog. At that time, there was no such thing as a seeing eye dog, unquote, which is a trademark now. Um, so right. he was the first person to come to the, to use a guide dog in this country. And he trained his, he was trained with his dog in, in, uh, Switzerland came to this country and basically started uh, a movement because there were no laws to guarantee access. So uh, this, you know, this whole this whole uh, thing of regulations and all of that is, um, you know, there were there were regulations forbidding dogs way back, you know, way back when. And nobody understood what that was about, and he um, he pioneered uh, the the idea that a well trained and and well handled dog could make visually impaired people uh, help make them more much more mobile than they had ever been. Because uh, right. of course, even at that time, there was no cane technique. Uh, the what we call Hoover cane technique came as a result of World War II and the VA, uh, I believe it was the Heinz Center in Chicago, um, pioneered that. So for people who are visually impaired, I know we're taking a trip down memory lane here, but um, th- this, this whole idea has been a long, you know, a long, um, a long history and the seeing eye as well as um, other guide dog schools that have started over the years have been in the forefront of trying to maintain access for, you know, for people with well-trained um, and well-handled 
um, service service animals, guide dogs, um, and they have been mostly guide dogs. Right. So that's you know that's sort of the history, and it's distressing to think that you know people feel um, that they can simply flaunt the regulations and uh, bring whatever they feel is, you know, they want to bring on, you know, on an airplane uh, and, and therefore potentially interfere with our animals working because the animals are, could be distracted. How much of this do you think has to do with the credentialing or lack thereof in terms of the credentialing? Well, um, just about everyone I know who gets a dog from one of the several guide dog schools across the country, and I've lost track of how many there are now, we generally get um, some form of identification. Usually, in the case of the seeing eye, as you know, it is a photo ID card that contains uh, your upper half. Um, face and and shoulders and uh, your dogs um, up basically whatever they can get upper half um, so and all of the requisite information about your name the dog's name and and uh, seeing eye um, and for if there is an issue people um, asking questions can call the seeing eye and get confirmed uh, that yes, John Farina or you know Blaze is or whoever is a graduate of the Seeing Eye. So it's an official looking um, ID. Most of us carry it in our wallet. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm talking in terms of with the emotional support animals and the. And the, I think the, that's the that's the big issue, the fact that um, the training for these animals is. I don't know much about the training, but I would guess that it is far less in length um, than a guide dog um, where the training is roughly four months following roughly a year of socialization with a um, with a puppy raising family, a foster family, if you will. So they get far less training. Um Follow-up when you have an issue is, you know, is very, it's very important in our world with, you know, with guide dogs. Um, if we have an issue, we can turn to the school. Um, and then we can continue to the uh, get your own uh, uh, thing on the web. You know, you pay us 50 bucks, we'll give you a, we'll give you a banner that says you have a, you know, a service animal. You even and, get a vest. You can even get vests for 25 bucks on some website. Oh, okay. oh, has it gone down? Okay. I, I thought the going price was 50. Okay. Well, you know, I've uh, even heard 25 in some places. Well, now there you go. And, and I think that is, makes it twice as easier, right? Yeah. Right. That, well, you can get two that way. If you lose one, you, you know, that's you, a good point. Um, it's, I think that's distressing. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of work for the handler that goes into working with a service animal, whether it is for 
for guide purposes or um, other services such as um, seizure alerting um, and, and or, you know, balance um, dogs I know work regarding PTSD. Um, but those dogs usually come from reputable places where people know what they're, you know, people know what they're doing and, um, and can provide follow-up. And I, that's the, you know, that's the concern I have. And obviously the airlines and, um, wherever, but we're hearing it mostly about air travel, they have had concerns because of unruly animals. I have not been the victim um, of that, um, either being asked about uh, whether or not my dog can behave or being distracted by other um, fake or poorly trained um, service animals. But I, you know, I know that's, I know that's been an issue for, um, for, you know, for some people. Right. And you've done a fair amount of travel. Yeah. In the, you know, in the years that, um, that I've been using dogs, obviously, except for this past year, um, I, we, we generally travel at least once a year to, um, to national conventions of the American council of the blind. Um, we were at the seeing eyes 90th reunion uh, a year ago. Um, and that, that was quite interesting because there were, I don't know, a hundred people, um, there with maybe more with, uh, with their dogs. And, uh, uh, it was just, it went off, you know, it went off flawlessly. Um, absolutely. Uh, John Farina, who is a longtime guide dog user joining me here, Blaze Bryant on the uh, Blaze and Access show. A few minutes left here, John, let's talk about this final piece here in terms of you were mentioning the airlines now each one of them gets to develop their own specific rules what do you think about that well i would hope that uh, their um business association or whatever you whatever you call it um would have some sort of a committee to make sure that the rules are pretty much um are pretty much standard uh, that you know many that that it's pretty much the same process, um, and I would also hope I um, I just did a review uh, guide dog users and off an affiliate of ACB um, asked its members to review the some of the attestation forms that are being requested to be filled out or will be maybe requested to be filled out, and I re- reviewed them for access. Um, and sent some comments in. I've not heard back, but I suspect they're flooded with comments. Um, what were some of those access through. issues, if any? Um, I, the the basic problem is, as you know, as usual, uh, they may need to make sure that things are labeled correctly, so that when you fill them out, you know what you're supposed to put in the little box, uh, and the you know, and things are things are labeled. Um, and especially that when, if people are filling them out, like, uh, they probably will be on an iPhone or other tablet device, like I'm holding in my hand, uh, that you can do that easily. And that, you know, that's always a concern, but back to the, the airlines, I would hope that they develop some general, uh, standards as to, you know, as to what they want you 
you don't want to inconvenience the traveler uh, such that, especially if they're taking uh, uh, a trip that comes up very quickly, whether it's a family emergency or a work issue, um, you, you want them to be able to complete these these forms and, you know, get all this squared away with a minimum of disruption. I believe they will also have these forms at the checkout as well. I would expect that that they would be for, especially for those who may or may not uh, be in a position to fill them out prior to um, on, you know, online. Um, I would like to see them actually on the website as part of the, the reservation process i think that would be that would be the best place to have them yeah all right 90 seconds left here actually about a minute how come not just one standardized form that applies all across the board to each airline i have no particular answer for that except that maybe uh maybe department of transportation should figure out a standard form and say this is this is what you're using um that that would be you know, I, I'm not sure why they um, have left that to the um, to the airlines exactly, but maybe that was part of the regulation agreement. For all I know. Gotcha. Well, John Farina, good friend of mine, and longtime guide dog user, member of the Capital District Chapter of the American Council of the Blind, as we're talking about the human impact of revised service animal regulations, saying. Pretty much that only service animals, guide dog users, diabetic alert, seizure alert, pretty much no emotional support animals are allowed on airplanes, at least for the time being. And everything on this seems to be a little bit of a moving target here. But John, as always, great to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining me for a few minutes here on the Blaze and Access show. You're welcome, Blaze. Have a great day. I would love to know what you think. Blaze and shows at gmail.com. That's B L A I S I N shows at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Blaze and Access podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow the show on social media Facebook and Twitter at Blaze and shows. If you have a minute or two, I'd be grateful if you left a review. Tune in for another blast from the past next time here on the Blaze and Access podcast. Amplifying the disability voice one story at a time. Have a great day.